Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Tony, after the Thursday game, we did a quick rehash of the Miles Garrett situation. So this podcast, we're just going to kind of focus on that game outside of the Miles Garrett situation. And then it's Dolphins week. Can the Browns squish the fish? As they say, even though dolphins aren't fish, right? We get it. But uh, who's they? <laughs> who's they? Who's they? Right. <laughs> that's what people say. The people. Okay, okay. The people. That's who's saying. Word it. on the street. That's the word on the street. So, so we'll do a quick hitter on outside of the last bit of the Steelers game. What did you think of that game? What's your assessment? Well, you, you know, I think this might be, uh, we may be, and I will probably have to check the internet for uh, to confirm this, but we, we may be the first people uh, actually talking about the game, um, and, and uh, we, we're, we're definitely the first people I know of uh, talking about looking forward to Miami. I think, and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully the team isn't going through the same thing. The uh, focus is on Miami this week. I know it's tough, because obviously you have other things, other circumstances that happened last week that could take your focus away. And you have the fact that Miami is not one of the better teams in the league, right? They're one of these, you know, quote unquote, soft teams on our easy part of the schedule. So, you know, my hope is mentally the team looking forward is thinking uh, about uh, the Dolphins and hopefully they're thinking about the things that went right in that Pittsburgh game that uh, maybe went unnoticed. I think the offense, um, while they I wouldn't characterize them as a high-powered offense, they were certainly an efficient offense that was relatively did a relatively good job moving the ball, getting first downs when needed. Um, still, some sloppy line play and penalties. And, um, but but what about? I'll, I'm going to ask you about the play calling though on, on the Thursday night game. The, they were consistently. In third and long situations. Play calling's terrible, and this goes back to what we said. Uh, not to cut you off, this goes back to what we said the week before. If you go ahead and watch the film, you've I have no idea what goes on during the week. Like typically during the week, you'll work on plays, and as the week evolves, like your favorite plays will come out, and those will be your go-to plays. Like those are on the chart, maybe you run a highlighter through them, right? So that when you're looking at the chart, you don't have to like 
look all over for it. Like it's got a certain color, and that's the color you go to. <laughs> it's the spicy but, thing on the menu. Yeah, right? and, and and then you yeah you go ahead, and, and when that situation comes up, you call the play. Right? If you watch the game film and you watch Freddie Kitchens, it's like every time we get the ball, he's being handed a new card where all the plays have been scrambled, and it's it's like a word find. Okay, like he's trying to. Where's that play? Where's that play? And by the time the play comes in. We're down to, once again, watch the film. We're down to, sometimes they're running up to the line with six seconds to go. And it's like, come on. I, I mean, and, and when it's really comical when it happens is when they're coming out of a break. When there's an actual timeout and they have time to get the play in. And then you'll see them going to the huddle. And it's like, they, oh my gosh, we're on offense. Like, I completely forgot we were on offense. Let's hurry up and get a play out there. It's, I'd say it's comical, but it, it, it definitely it definitely affects how we perform on offense. Now, so then what did, what was working then against Pittsburgh? And is that going to continue against Miami? I, I, I the, the run was good. I like, you know, Hunt didn't come in and light it up. I mean, he had, uh, what, what did he have? He had uh, 12, and he was six carries for 12 yards, which is, you know, obviously not impressive. And then eight yards receiving for 46. But, but I like when he's out there, it's not even so much the production he gets with the ball, it's the threat of him being there. And uh, I know there was one play in particular I liked where he uh, he starts out, um, he's a left of the quarterback in the formation, um, and then he just kind of comes up to the line as if he's going to block, and he slides across from left to right and gets like a pitch and, and, and takes off to the right. Um, that play was was great. I think that's the type of play that maybe sets up something bigger down the road because you could fake to that play and then throw out of it. But it, it, they've got they've got to become more creative. They have to. Uh, Baker has to stop staring down his wide receivers. He does a lot of that, and I don't know if it's because um, he's coming up to the line so late that he he really doesn't have time to read what the defense is going to do. So he just locks onto a guy and and. You know, praise that that guy gets. I, I'm not sure, but I, I just know that when you look at all the stars that are on this team, they should be lighting it up. And and you can go ahead and say, hey, they won. They won 21 to seven. But if you look at that game, we should have killed Pittsburgh. Like we should have absolutely killed Pittsburgh. The the amount of turnovers we had, and then we got the ball back. You know, inside our 30 or or, or 40. And then we, we came away with no points. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It, ridiculous with that many weapons. Uh, I mean, well, and I would agree. I mean, and that's what I that's the value I thought Hunt was going to bring. And, and I had said it on previous podcasts. I thought just having him on the field, he provides a weapon that whether that weapon is fully utilized or not, it's a threat. And it forces teams to focus on other things. It opens up some lanes for Chubb. And hopefully it will continue to open up some stuff for Baker, although it hasn't been perfect. They have won two games in a row. Now, what about the defense? How do you think the defense played against Pittsburgh? You know, I, I guess we could say they played well. Um, you know, we did get turnovers. But um, I, I think the one thing, as much as, you know, I don't want to take away a win's a win. You know, I don't... I. I I don't want them to win and then we badmouth them and say, well, yeah, it was a win, but it was a, it, you know, win's a win. We've lost against teams we should have beat during the year, so I guess we have to give them credit when they beat those teams. <laughs> um, however, if you look at the team that we beat, I'm not sure I would be spending too much time this week patting myself on the back. I mean, that Pittsburgh team 
by the end of that game was completely decimated. I, I mean, they had no one. I, I mean, some of the names that were out there, <laughs> wide receiver, I don't even know if they were even on the ride. I mean, it looked like they were just taking random people out of the stands and throwing them out there. Uh, once Connor went down at running back, obviously they had they had no options running wise. I mean, they, they attempted to run, but it, it's kind of hard to gauge, you know, how good the defense is. Um, I, I I know it's certainly going to be hard to gauge how good they're going to be um, now that we're we're missing <laughs> one of our our key key uh, components. Two, uh, or, well, two of our key components for this Miami game. I thought they played all right. I guess. I I, I mean. They still, I, I've, in, I've expected. I guess it's partly my fault. I've expected them to be explosive on both sides of the ball, and outside of the, the two interceptions, you know that Schobert got. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really see anything that was amazing from the defense uh, compared, comparatively, when you look at who they were up against. I mean, they were basically going up against the JV squad, and. Um, Beat them by 14 points. Okay, and that's fine, and I I wouldn't necessarily disagree with either, any of those sentiments about the offense or the defense from that standpoint. But the JV squad is is the Dolphins a JV squad, or all the Dolphins a JV squad as well. So does that bode well for this coming Sunday? Yeah, well, no, I I, I I anticipate that they're going to win this game this Sunday. I I, I don't see them. I see them probably rallying around one, uh, you know, each other a little bit this week. You're going to see that a little bit. They're going to come together. It's going to be tough because you're going to have some holes on defense. But as long as they play disciplined defense, um, because, you know, we, we talk about, obviously, the last eight seconds of the game is the most glaring, you know, thing that came out of that game. But, you know, there were two, there were two hits that put concussions on wide receivers for the Steelers that both of those could – be deemed somewhat questionable um, as far as you know, guys deserving to be suspended for for the hit, and, and we've got to stop that. Like that, ha- we can't have that. We we can't, you know, because what's going to happen here is if you start getting these these penalties, you know, and people are saying, well, hey, you know, this guy's being treated unfairly or being judged unfairly. When you start to get a reputation, I mean, when you're leading the league in penalties. It's, it's natural for the referees to look at you first. I mean, you, you're coming into the game leading the league in penalties. You left that last game with four unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. I mean, that's a lot of unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct. For anybody out there who, you know, doesn't follow those numbers, that's a lot. And, and it's, a, you know, you can't have that. Because the one thing that could trip you up against a team like the Dolphins is a lack of discipline. Coming in anticipating that you're just going to roll over them and then not being disciplined, that could cost you a game. Because at the end of the day, as bad as the Dolphins are, they are a professional team. Yeah, and they, it's magic, baby. Man, they got, well, they got two wins. You, you know, you can't, you, you know. So from that standpoint, looking at just a matchup standpoint, as opposed to just a general team assessment, right, I think everybody would argue, even with some of the injuries and some of the suspensions, that, the Browns are a more talented team than the Dolphins, but they've been a more talented team than almost every team they've played this year, and they still have a losing record. So without Ogunjobi, without Garrett, and with Olivier Vernon, who didn't play against the Steelers and is still questionable for this game, does this open an opportunity for the Dolphins where, hey, you're probably not going to get a great pass rush, and 
you're probably going to be able to open some holes from an offensive line standpoint. So they might not look so bad against the depleted yep. defensive front. Well, the, the key to the game for them is going to be to establish a run because it does two things. It allows you to exploit the weaker defensive line, and it also allows you to control the clock and keep the ball in your hands, keep the clock running, keep the ball out of Baker's hands. Because um, the one thing I will say that came out of that game if you look at that drive, that, that final drive down the field and the final touchdown that, that Cleveland had, you could you could see, I mean, that that was probably the most confident outside of a first, you know, series drive, you know, where they've got the scripted plays. That was the first time when we were quote unquote unscripted that they actually looked good coming down the field and the catch in the end zone was just amazing. Um and, and that's something they can feed off of, but if you're the Dolphins, you got to keep that team, um, you know, that side of the team off the field as much as you can, and that's where you know running the game, uh, running the ball is going to be the key to the game. They've, they've got to establish the run. And while that was an amazing catch, was that an intelligent throw? Um, no, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> okay. If you if you watch that game, and I, I mean, no way, shape, or form, the, defending the the. You know, people will say it was a great, uh, um, you know, game by Baker, but he was 17 of 32, 193 yards, which is decent. He had the two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Looked good, but he still makes a ton of boneheaded decisions. I mean, there were several times where he's throwing in the double, and I know at least one time throwing in the triple coverage. And it just, I get being confident in your ability, but that, you, you get... <laughs> You've got to also know that as confident as you are in your ability, having three guys who are probably equally confident covering the ball is not, you know, those aren't good odds. That's not the best way of, of doing things. So, I mean, we'll see, though. I, I mean, you know, I, like I said, I, I have them winning this game. I think probably the bigger challenges are going to be coming down the road here with some of these other, other teams that we have yet to play that – you know, certainly this next game with Pittsburgh is going to be interesting because it will be in Pittsburgh. That crowd is going to be, they're going to be out for blood. The team themselves may be out for blood. Um, I know some of the key players, you know, in the incident with eight seconds left will not be in the game. But certainly um, the quarterback's going to be in there. And, and I got to believe there's going to be some bad blood and animosity against him. So not to look past this Miami game ourselves, but I, I think that that's going to be an interesting contest. It's going to be interesting to see how we're able to come into that game with a maturity level that's going to be proper because that's going to be the key to that game. Because if Pittsburgh has nothing to lose and, and you know God knows what's going to happen to them this weekend, but let's say they come into this game, and for them, it's a quote-unquote must-win to stay in the uh, wild card race. They're going to be they're going to be trying to get into anybody's heads to start something, which I guess you know it's good for the fans that are looking for a renewed rivalry. But um, I don't know if that'll bode well for our team. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directory: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts, at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts. Now, Tony, we're talking about the Steelers game already, and like you said, it would be best if the Browns are not focused on last week and not focused on what's coming up in the week ahead. However, as you've mentioned and we've moved into, everybody seems to be focused on those two teams 
leaving the Dolphins out almost entirely because, as you said, right, it's part of this soft schedule that we're running through. And, yes, have the Browns won the two games that people were saying, hey, this is the beginning of kind of this piece of the schedule? Yes, they have. Have either of those wins been necessarily convincing? I would say probably not. Not necessarily great performances on either side of the ball, but adequate in both phases, at least enough to win. So let's focus on the other phase that we haven't talked about about this week's game. There's a lot of questionable defensive players for the Dolphins. The Browns aren't going to be missing anybody from an offensive side of the ball. Is this the game the Browns offense needs to say, we can't rely on our defense. We have to win this game and support our defense as they've been supporting us throughout the season. Yeah, it would be nice if they, if they, if they could put it, this should be the game that they should be attempting to put the whole package together, quote-unquote. You know, I guess one of the things when we've yet to talk about it is, you know, kudos to Nick Chubb. You know, and it's it's once again, I, I feel there was a lot of things that I felt bad about, uh, uh, you know, after that last game. You know, going through the locker room, it was almost as if you were walking through the locker room of the team that had lost as opposed to the team that had won. And when you think about it, I mean, that was that was a game where we beat Pittsburgh, and, and after beating Baltimore, when's the last time we beat both of those teams in, in a season? <laughs> um, you, you know, it, it, so you have that. You have Nick Chubb becoming the first player in the NFL to go over a thousand yards rushing. I uh, believe the first Cleveland Browns player to go over a thousand yards in ten games since Jim Brown did it back when he was playing. Um, so, small feet. Small yeah, feet. small feet, and, and you know, <laughs> and, and it's one of those things that you know, all that stuff kind of got overlooked, overshadowed, and and I think the key to Miami, the key to Pittsburgh, looking ahead, like we probably shouldn't be, but but the key to both of those games, I think, is establish Nick Chubb as the the dominant RB one or whatever you want to label him. Work, you know, work on getting. Kareem Hunt to be part of like a, a complementary piece to that puzzle and get our wide receivers the ball. I mean, if I'm Baker Mayfield, my goal for that game is to try to see how many people in the offense I can get to touch the ball in that game. Get every as many people involved as possible because what we need to do is if we are truly going to make a run for the playoffs here, this needs to start being the audition that we should have held in the preseason for who are the people that we can count on when we need them, what are the plays we can go to when we need them. I mean, you look at every other team that's dominating in the league. They have those plays where they line up and you know what play they're running, and they run them and they get the yards every time. I don't think we have that. I don't think we have that. Like the plays we I would agree. consistently run or the plays I don't know that, what plays we consistently you know, run. The, so. they're, they're the ones where we run off off tackle to the left and get stuck for a one yard loss on a you know, the, in the third and one. But whatever. Um, you know, but th- those are the things we need to be focused on. Need to be focused on getting everyone involved and um, But that's know, been 10 11 weeks where we've essentially been saying the same thing. Yeah, but now so, we're flipping the switch. <laughs> so what's the likelihood of that happening given the scenario that this team is placed in right now? Is this, I mean, to me, this is the key point then. Are they going to finally focus, get their heads in the game, stop passing the red nose around and everybody taking their turn being the clown and the team finally saying, we're here, we're professionals, let's execute. We need to crush this team, crush them, move on to Pittsburgh, and yes, that will be an interesting week, 
on all accounts, and it will be an interesting game on that Sunday, but you need to get there at 5-6. and six. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean in, in fairness to me, you asked me what my I thought my keys were. I mean, <laughs> you know, first and foremost, if I were running this thing, Freddie wouldn't be our head coach right now, and we wouldn't have to worry about that part of the discussion. I think we would have you know, had somebody in there in place that could have utilized all these weapons that we have and all this all this talent that we've accumulated, um, which I, I feel like we can't leave this podcast without mentioning. Speaking of the ability to collect talent, um, the number one steal, quote unquote, at wide receiver that we got, you know, through the draft, through uh, in the Dorsey era, caught three hours before the game started. I mean, I find that to be a little bit. There's no mention of that. You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> perfect timing on on their part, right? This, this guy that you brought in turns out to be a complete bonehead. You know, for one, mentally he's just not there. Physically, I don't, I don't even know if he was there physically because the mentally, you know, the mental part didn't allow you to know if he had good <laughs> hands. Um, but he ends up getting cut, you know, and, and we, still, we still have a kicker who's missing field goals consistently. And I know people, I, there's all these apologists that are out there and they tell me, oh man, it's it's you know you know how difficult it is to kick at Cleveland Brown Stadium or First Energy Stadium, and I say yes, I, I do. As a matter of fact, I watched Phil Dawson do it for several years, and the way Phil was able to do it, Phil took his job so serious that he would actually go out during the week and, and, and uh, kick kicks yeah, he, in he, different he's missed, conditions. He's missed two field goals. One was a fifty yarder, and one was in yeah. the forty. So I mean, he's sixteen for eighteen. I think. If, if, if that's – I wish that was the worry for this I'm, team. I'm worried about it. <laughs> I'm worried about it because that whole entire second half, when it was 14-7, to 7, I the whole entire second half I was sitting there just waiting. And luckily it didn't happen. I was waiting for that moment when we were going to give the ball away because, you know, luckily we didn't have turn you know turnovers on offense. I was waiting for that, op, you know, that opportunity or that time for us to cough up the ball and have them come and tie it up and – uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I think if we're going to beat the Baltimore Ravens and these other, you know, real teams that are coming, you know, at the end of the schedule and hopefully in the playoffs, you're going to have to be able to convert on those field goals, even if they are from 50 yards out or 43 yards out. You're going to have to um, start first downs when you in in score points when you do get turnovers. I mean, you look at how many turnovers we had. How many points did we get out of the turnovers we had? Oh, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty <laughs> so, scenario. Yeah. But, so, but we did win. So they did win. They yeah. did win. So we got a W against the Steelers. I think okay. we both predicted uh, a win. We're looking at the Dolphins now. We talked a little bit offense, defense from both of those standpoints. Uh, apparently, we think the Dolphins have a uh, edge in special teams. Although I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do we got for this coming Sunday? What's the final score? What's your anticipation of, of how this Ogunjobi-less, Garrett-less defense performs against uh, Fitzmagic? And, and what's the prediction for how this Baker Mayfield-led offense that has been sporadic is going to perform against a not-great Dolphins defense? I will say uh, my final is 26-10. 26 coming off of uh, two missed extra points. All right. Um, just to be a jerk, I'm okay. gonna say that. That's fine. That's fine. 26-10. Book it. Book it. Lock me in. All right. What's the spread? What's the line? I don't even know what the uh, line is know. on I don't, this thing. I don't gamble, um, so I wouldn't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So I'm going to say it's going to be actually a little closer than that. I'm going to say 24-21 Browns. I, I just don't think that this defense is going to respond in the way we need them to, and I think the Dolphins are going to be able to put up some points. And I just haven't seen enough from this offense to really think that they're going to they're gonna blow anybody away. Now, is that 24? Is that off of eight field goals? Or is that... that is uh, eight 50-yard field goals. <laughs> uh, exactly 50-yard field goals. We're actually going to stop on, on third down when we're in our typical third and nine, and we're going to kick them on third and nine. You know, uh, and that not, to, not to jump around, but too late, uh, another guy that we didn't give love to, or we haven't given love to up to this point, was Jarvis Landry which I believe the stat came out after that game, he actually has more catches in the first six years of his career than any quarterback in the history of the NFL in the first six well, years. Well, it's not of surprising career. that he has more catches than any quarterback in the NFL. Well, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll edit that out. We'll cut that out. We'll, we'll edit that out. I don't know. I think I might leave that one in. Uh, but no. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a guy, you know, sans the uh, – the personal foul, which I'm not really sure what that was all about. I mean, he's quietly having a a, a good season, um, you know. And I think everyone anticipated Odell would be the guy that would come in and blow the doors off, and that just really hasn't happened. But I think consistently, uh, Jarvis has been that guy that. Um, well, their numbers are almost identical. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at it here right now. Landry's got 49 catches. Beckham's got 48 targets, 84 to 89. Yards, Landry's got 695, Beckham's got 692. I mean, it's almost identical across the board for those two guys, which is great from the standpoint of, hey, you got two receivers performing fairly well. However, we need to up those number of catches. I mean, the, the catch rate for number of targets is, is horrible for mm-hmm. both of those guys, and we need to get those up. And that's really, I think, partially it's on Baker – but again, I think it's part of the play calling that just has not been spectacular where these guys are not having the opportunity to get open. And that's on our offensive coordinator and our head coach. And we need to make sure that we're doing a little more with Kareem Hunt now that he's in the mix. Chubb's great. Obviously, he's performed exceedingly well all season. Hunt adds just that extra threat that I think we needed and hopefully will bear us out. Any final thoughts, Tony, before we wrap it up here? No, no, I just, once again, like I said, I, I'm glad that we were able to get the focus back on the Browns winning two two games in a week, which... Um, two games uh, in four days. Two games in four days, which... Or uh, five days, uh, I guess. Only bested by the 1948 season, in which they won three games in seven days, um, in the midst of a undefeated season. Which is a little ridiculous. Right, three games in seven well, days. Well, especially if you if you consider the fact that they played the first game of the set in New York against the New York Yankees, and then they had to fly all the way to the, the West Coast to um, play the other two games. And a uh, fun fact, uh, back then, when they were flying, there was, no dire- there was no direct flight from New York to California. So essentially, they flew to Cleveland, unloaded their laundry, hurried up, cleaned it real fast, jumped back in the plane, flew to Denver, refueled, Flew out to California and then played their two games out there in, uh, you know, played two games in a three-day span in Los Angeles and San Francisco. You know, by, there's no <laughs> way that that would happen today. No way that that could ever be bested. I mean, the union would step in and no, say, are you yes. crazy? Um, yeah, and, and it's fun 
uh, if you ever get an opportunity, there's not too many of the guys left that played that season. When you when you talk to them, uh, they would tell about how they would they were literally taking turns um, sleeping in the aisle um, because they needed to get their sleep. You know, just trying to get to the West Coast for those games. So you know, of course, that's back when. Um, you know, I think real men played the, right? uh-huh. played the game, but I, you know, hey, I, I don't know. Like no I said, the, the union right now would be filing grievances left and right, and, and and in that era, the guys just hopped on the plane and played, right? So, well, leather helmets, right? Uh. Well, a leather helmet is softer when it hits you in the head than a plastic helmet. Uh, yeah, and usually you protect your head better, though, when you have less head protection. So that tends to be the uh, corollary. So we'll wrap it up here, Browns backers. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? And again, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Again, you can find us at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast, at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts. Let's go Browns. Chub check. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.